Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Seriously, how are you? How is life going? How are things? This episode's coming out in early spring, and this time of year, I like to ask myself that question. I really love to check in with myself and see how things are going. What's going well? What's not going well? Where am I not meeting my expectations? How are my relationships? How's the vibe of my home? What what does it feel like when I walk in the door? How do the kids feel when they walk in the door? And my partner, what's, what's the vibe like? How are the kids doing? How am I feeling? How am I managing stress? What can I do better? What am I doing really, really well? I want you to do this too. I want you to ask yourself these questions and check in on how life is going and then tweak accordingly. I'm a big believer in the power of checking in on yourself and assessing things. And I know saying the word assess, it sounds cold and business-like, and maybe there is a better word, but a regular check-in can go a long way. It is so easy for us to get caught on autopilot, going about the day-to-day without really stopping to assess what's working and what's not, and what feels good and what doesn't. Ultimately, Life should feel good a lot of the time. I do believe that. Even when things are stressful, I believe you can get to a place where overall life feels good and you have faith that things are going to work themselves out. So grab a journal. Think about it. Whatever feels right to you, just please check in with yourself because you deserve the best. Now, this episode, I'm just going to say you're welcome in advance because I'm about to save you some mega money on personal therapy, couples therapy, and whatever type of therapy you could potentially go to to deal with the stressors and relationships in your life. Seriously, Sarah Jane Case is about to blow your mind. So Sarah Jane Case is an author, speaker, podcaster, and a now YouTuber with an Instagram account of over half a million followers and a podcast that regularly stays at the top charts in the self-help section and a book that launched in 2020. Sarah Jane is a rising leader in the self-help industry. And her work specializes in the Enneagram personality test and understanding how your Enneagram and that of the people in your life can support you and being your best self and having your best relationships. In this episode, we talk about my Enneagram results. Sarah was able to predict mine by just following me on Instagram, which was pretty cool. We predict Darren's Enneagram. We talk about how I could minimize conflict in my own marriage by understanding and really diving into the Enneagram, which was an interesting conversation. And we just talk about how it can minimize conflict and disagreements and resentment, and most importantly, improve relationships and give you a better understanding of yourself. We also dive into how it is so easy for us to understand or misunderstand someone's motives based on how we see the world, based on our Enneagram versus how they see the world. I think that makes sense. And if it doesn't, it will soon. Anyway, I had so many aha moments in this episode, and I'm willing to bet that you will too. And as always, if it resonates, share this with someone who you think will benefit from it. And if it feels right, share it out on your Instagram stories, tagging at Jamie Scrimger and at Enneagram and Coffee. I love hearing from you. I love hearing what resonates the most. This community, I know I keep saying it, but you guys continue to blow my mind. So thank you for all the love, all the downloads, and all the support. Let's dive in. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger. 
wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong, I was madly in love, the kids were great, but as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. All right, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to dive into this conversation today. So, you know what, where do we even start? So, you know what, why don't you just give our listeners just a little bit of a background on who you are and what you're about, what you got going on? Yeah. So, um, you know, I have my hands in a lot of different areas, but mainly my focus is using the tool, the Enneagram, which is a personality tool to help people find the balance between self-care and productivity. So they feel really confident in how they spend their time. And I have a podcast and Instagram, a YouTube channel, and I just get do all of that to get that word out there. And I'm also a stepmom of six years to a nine-year-old little boy. Oh, you know what? I love that age. The nine-year-old, like it is a good age because they're, they're independent and their like personalities are coming out and they're, they still think you're kind of cool and they want to hang around. Um, You haven't got into the teenage years. I would say that was like my favorite. That was like my favorite stage. So hold on tight. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like he is still like, my parents are my favorite people. And like, we, he thinks we're all really cool. And that is something that I'm like, is that going to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it will. Like, oh, it will. <laughs> it will. Like even now, Darren and I will say stuff to the kids and they're like, no, that's not cool. Like that's not what, no, no. Like you should just hear, <laughs> they just like shake their heads at us. I'm like, you know what? Someday you're going to look back and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, my mom or my mom, my stepmom, my dad, they were pretty cool. Um, yeah. They're just not there yet. <laughs> I'm like, you'll want to hang out with us someday. Yeah. It's like a bell curve. Like it'll, Mm -hmm. it'll, we'll flip back around. Yeah. So good. So, um, you know what, when did I I really want to dive into this Enneagram and when did you become Mm -hmm. so passionate about it? Because you've literally made your whole career on supporting people and improving their life through this personality test. So Mm -hmm. what started this? Yeah, I, you know, I was actually a coach doing burnout prevention and recovery for entrepreneurs when I found the Enneagram and I found it just like in my personal exploration with my husband, like we were dating at the time and just kind of curiously navigating like our differences in personality and it took me a long time to self-type. And so in that journey, I just researched deeply every single number trying to understand it and So then as I started coaching people, I couldn't unsee it. Like once you see it, you can't 
unsee it. Um, and so I started seeing these patterns and this language of different types kind of showing up. And it really honestly like helped me get so much faster into what it is that's causing their burnout. Um, because Enneagram is all about motivation. It's about like why you do the things you do. And so we were able to get to the root of what was causing that to happen so much faster. And it just became, I just became obsessed with it, quite frankly, and just wanted everybody to know their Enneagram type. I wanted everyone to have feel this like support that I was able to um, offer my clients. And honestly, I was able to help people with their number before I was able to really identify mine because I, it just took me so long to feel confident in my number. There's this thing in the Enneagram called countertypes where your behavior looks different than your motivation and that I'm a countertype. So um, it just, it's a little bit harder for countertypes sometimes to type themselves. But anyway, it was just like, I just saw the results of my clients so fast and I wanted everyone I knew, everyone I came in contact with um, to get that kind of deep sense of self-knowing that the Enneagram can offer. I love that. And when you say you struggle Mm -hmm. to find your number, Mm -hmm. so it's, is it not as simple as just taking the Enneagram test and like yeah, it just actually, spilling out your number? Well, yeah, because it's actually pretty easy to mistype because when you take a quiz online, because it is motivation-based and sometimes we're blind to our own motivations. And so it'll ask questions like, do you think it's important to be helpful? And most people say yes. And especially if you are a female in our most of, you know, North American cultures, like we're kind of trained to say yes to that answer, even if maybe we don't really deeply prioritize it. Um, So the tests are pretty, can be pretty inaccurate. My husband typed as me, as my type, which is a type seven. Um, I typed as a type two and both of us were mistyped. So we just, really, if you want to find your type, you just read through the numbers and most people can quickly identify themselves. And I'll say even I, read my type, which is a type seven, the day that I took the quiz and was like, this feels like someone read my journal out loud. And Mm. so I knew my type when I read it, like, that's how it feels. It feels like someone's putting your inner thoughts out into the world. Yeah. And let's dive into that for a second for those who maybe Mm -hmm. aren't familiar with the Enneagram. So how many types are there? Yeah, there are nine types and they're represented by individual numbers. So like one through nine and each one has a different basic fear, just different motivation. Um, and they each have a title. So it's sometimes you can even say, maybe I'm that based off of the title and I'm happy to run through those if you want me to, but yeah, once you read the title, you'll probably have one or two that you feel kind of drawn to. And then you can get into reading the descriptions on a book in a really good book or on the website, EnneagramInstitute.com. They have really good write-ups for each type. When you read your type, it just makes you uncomfortable. It feels pretty exposing. And that's a pretty good indicator that you're in the right spot. It's usually mm-hmm. the second guessing of that initial impulse that makes it take longer. Yeah. And I do think, you know, when I was going through the test, I did just like a quick test online When I was going through it myself, I could feel myself almost struggling like to answer questions because I know this is the right way to answer the question and this is what I would want to be, but maybe this isn't actually how I feel. So I do think like if you're doing these things, you have to be really, really honest with yourself about Mm -hmm. who you are and what motivates your behavior and that kind of stuff versus just trying to say the right thing because it's the right thing. And you're worried about what the result of the quiz would be (laughs) if you are totally honest, right? 
Totally. And I think that a lot of times there are people, you know, depending on your, your type structure, maybe who struggle more with shame or feeling like there is a way to be that you, that can almost become your personality if you're not careful. Um, depending on, on your type structure, some people will be like, I can recognize the should, and I still know who I am. Others might be like, I know the should, and I think that's who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe briefly, we should just go through and give us a little bit of a rundown on the numbers. And then we can kind of dive into how understanding these numbers and where you are in the Enneagram can help improve your relationships and, you know, minimize burnout and stress and, and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so I will, yeah, I'll run through the numbers really quickly and just give you that overview. So um, starting with type one, we have the perfectionist and they're motivated by being good. They fear being corrupt or evil. Um, they tend to be pretty hard on themselves. They have a pretty high standard for what is perfect or what is is uh, complete and they never quite feel like they live up to that expectation. There's always more that could be done. And we have our type twos who are the helper and their focus of attention is be on being loved or being lovable or likable. And they do this through, earn, they earn that love. They believe that love is earned. So they give and they give and they give and sometimes to the point of feeling resentful or over giving or over sacrificing. We have our type threes who are the achiever and they're motivated by success. They fear being worthless and they their focus of attention is on like, how do I not stagnate? How do I keep improving, keep growing based off of who they're surrounded by? They want to be the best. They want to kind of keep moving up that ladder. We have type fours, which are the individualist or the romantic. And this type is focused on finding their identity and expressing that identity. They often have this sense that there's something in them that's missing and they need to find it outside of themselves. Like if only I had a college degree, then I would be able to do the things I want to do, that kind of thing. Then we have type five, which is the investigator. This one is focused on managing their resources. So making sure that they never have to do without, but also you know, making sure that they don't have, they don't get sucked dry or overgive. They want to make sure that they have the energy that they need. They're also really focused on research, knowing everything they need to know about something before they take action on it. Then we have type six, which is the loyalist. This is, or sometimes called the loyal skeptic, because this type tends to have, they're pretty skeptical of new things coming in, but very loyal to the people they've decided to be loyal to long-term. And the, they are the focus of attention here is often on worst case scenario, like what could go wrong. And I like to think of it more as being prepared. So this type really likes to be prepared for anything that could come their way. And we have type seven, which is the enthusiast. They are motivated by freedom, by joy. They want to be satisfied in their life in every situation possible. They fear being deprived or trapped in pain. We have type eight, which is the challenger. Their focus of attention is on not being controlled and being safe. And they're, they tend to um, kind of have this scan for leadership. If they notice that no one's in charge or maybe the person in charge is inefficient or ineffective, then they will step in and take charge. Um, but they, the main focus of attention is not being controlled themselves. And then we have type nine and their focus, they're the peacemaker. They want to maintain connection. They just don't want to create severings in their relationships. And they also want to maintain their own personal peace of mind. 
Wow, you really know your stuff. I've been doing this a minute for a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is really impressive. So when I did the test, uh, just a quick one online, now I'm like, okay, I need to go back and revisit this. But I was an eight with a subtype of three and four. So I guessed you were an eight, but I didn't want to say that. <laughs> so what made you guess that I was an eight? Like, where did you get that? I think you're pretty direct and straightforward (laughs) and like, you're like pretty to the point. Like you don't like seem to like fluff and you seem like pretty like good with yourself. If that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. you trust yourself. So you feel like maybe I was accurate in the eight. Yeah, I would. I mean, I don't know. I don't know you. (laughs) You I know you from Instagram and like YouTube and um, DM life, but like, yeah, I that would be my instinct, but I again, you know yourself better than I could know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to go back in and dive into that. So, yeah. you know, on your website, you say that you want to find a way to bring out the best in yourself with this heartfelt, informative, approachable guide to all things Enneagram, which I love. Mm-hmm. And how does understanding the Enneagram do that for someone? Like what what benefits mm-hmm does this have for someone in their life, I guess? Yeah. You know, most of us, we have been swimming in this water of whatever our Enneagram type is our whole life. And, and we develop a lot of like our sense of right and wrong based off of that worldview. So as a seven, I've thought my whole life, like positivity is the way you have to be positive. If you're not positive, then you're doing something wrong. If I'm not happy, then there's, that's a sign that something's wrong. And the Enneagram shows us not only is there eight other different ways to view the world, that that's not everybody else's focus of attention, but also when that's over-functioning, it's creating harm in our life. So, um, you know, toxic positivity is kind of my over-function of seven, which is like, everybody just be happy. Don't look at anything that's bad (laughs) and like ignore my own feelings and just keep pushing through. And so it kind of shows us on the flip side, what, what, how it can not work very well. Um, but oftentimes we're orienting ourselves in a way that we expect other people to operate in the world the way that we do. And so we think that they're like either intentionally not doing the right thing based off of our value set or, um, they're, you know, we feel like it's confusing. Like, why are you acting like that? Like, why are you doing it that way? Um, obviously this is the way we are supposed to be in the world. Hmm. So understanding that helps you understand yourself, but also understand mm-hmm. the motives of yeah. other people. Absolutely. And you know, like what it is, I like to think of it too, as like the little kid in us that didn't get what they needed. And mm-hmm. so it can help us to have compassion for ourselves, but also have compassion for the people in our life. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to marriage or partnerships, like how does the mm-hmm. Enneagram help you build that strong communication style, that healthy relationship, mm-hmm. the support, because it's true, right? Like sometimes I think that my husband needs something because it's based on what I need when that's, he needs like mm-hmm. the complete opposite in that moment. Yeah. And I can think about, I don't know what your husband's type is, but I, if you were typed correctly as an eight, I would imagine you want to deal with things head on and just like acknowledge things right away. You're not afraid of conflict. Like, let's just get it out and you're not going to hold a grudge. Like you're going to have the conversation, get it over with and move on. But that can, a lot of types are very conflict avoidant and that freaks them out. They want to like 
they don't want to have that conversation. So it feels like to the, to an eight, like that's taking so much longer. Like you're making this last longer um, when we could just like handle this and it feels healthier to just handle it. Oh my gosh, that is so true. And <laughs> I can't wait for him to hear this because that's literally, I'm like, the amount of time we spend avoiding trying to deal with this, like it's just a waste of time because we could have just dealt mm-hmm. with it and moved on. Like, make the call, like have the conversation, Mm -hmm. like let's make the decision right now. And he'll say to me, okay, Jamie, like you're a rash and emotional decision maker. And sometimes you just need to like chill and make the decision later. But I'm like, no, let's just get shit done. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting when we like dissect that depending on, um, each, each Enneagram type, we can get underneath, like what it is that we think we're doing with that. Right. Like, and there's a healthy level and an unhealthy level to each of those. Like there's a, like, like you said, like there is some element of being direct that's super important. And then there's some element of it that is like rash sometimes. And you, you kind of know the difference, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're being rash and you know, when you're just being straightforward and the Enneagram kind of invites you into the noticing, like just kind of like paying attention to when am I overdoing this? And when am I doing this at a healthy level? Mm-hmm. And so understanding his perspective and his mm-hmm. Enneagram style and way to deal with conflict allows me just to be a little bit more empathetic to what he needs and why mm-hmm. that motivates him. Yes, absolutely. So let's, I don't know your husband's type, but let's pretend he's a type nine. Type nines are conflict avoidant and they tend to, you know, they learn somewhere along the way that it's better if they're just invisible. So they tend to kind of shrink themselves to not create any rifts. They just like want to make sure that no one's upset, every other piece is kept. And so in that in that discussion, we can kind of pause and be like, "Whoa, this like version of this little kid version of this person that I love didn't feel like their voice mattered." And didn't feel like anybody wanted to see them or hear them. And so now they've like adopted this way of being into adulthood. And so I can love them through this by encouraging them and letting them know like, hey, your voice is important. Your needs matter. I care about you. And like the world will not fall apart if you have a conflict. But at the same time, I can love you. I can I can love you through it instead of being irritated by it or bothered by it. Mm-hmm. So if I were, okay, so I'm going to describe Darren for a second. So he okay. is, he likes to put it, he just kind of likes to avoid dealing with things just because it could be uncomfortable. So he likes to like, just ignore those conversations. And his intention is just to like, for everyone to be happy and mm-hmm. kind of sometimes will procrastinate on things and is always out for a good time. Like Darren's like, always want to have fun and like jobs really don't matter if we can just have a really good day. Whereas I'm like, mm-hmm. we got to get the jobs done. So what would that be? Um, so I would have clarifying questions. So is he typically, is he action oriented or is he like, is he quick to take action or is he pretty slow to take action? Slow to take action. Okay. Unless he really wants to do it. Okay. Is the idea of fun usually his idea? Like, is he like set on like this specific type of fun or is it like whoever wants to, like, he kind of follows what other people want to do? Um, he likes to do like, I would say common. I think he's just going to go where the fun is. Like he just like likes to have a good time. Okay. I would guess either a seven or a nine based off of that. Just like that little bit of information, just my input. That's like my initial instinct. Mm -hmm. Um, nines are the, like the peacemakers. So they, again, they want, they're going to want to make everybody happy. 
And so they will kind of like bend and sway themselves and their opinions a little bit. And that would, yeah. And they, they struggled, they tend to struggle with prioritization, like knowing what to do first and they struggle with procrastination a bit. They don't like to get overwhelmed. So they're going to avoid anything that feels overwhelming. Um, and then our sevens, we, you know, can kind of be conflict avoidant as well because we just want like the feel goods. We just want to feel good. And so if it feels like it's going to feel bad, we're going to put it off. And so that can be that energy of like going toward the thing that feels good. The only difference is that sevens tend to be, they have a lot of ideas. Like there's a lot of things they want to do and they have a lot of ideas and that they have a kind of more of a high energy and there's like, they kind of a little bit more scattered. Like there's a lot of ideas, you know, like I have 10 different income streams and I have like endless energy for it all. And nines are kind of the opposite. Nines are not as ambitious as a seven might be. They may be more just like, I want to do what I need to do to get along. And I want to feel, I want to feel calm in my life. I think he's a seven. Okay. I think he's <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Yeah. And so me just understanding, I got to do some Enneagram research. If you're a stepmom, chances are it's been challenging. You've experienced emotions that you didn't see coming. You've felt like you have no control over your life. Like you're good enough until you're not. Maybe you're not on the same page as your partner when it comes to kids and the ex. Maybe you're triggered by the ex. Maybe you feel helpless because you want to protect your partner, but you're learning that you can't fix what you didn't break. Stepmoms often struggle to find their place. They find themselves in this place of competition and comparison and resentment and feeling overwhelmed. I'm not trying to be negative. I hear this from stepmoms every single day. I've also felt this way myself. Until one day I made the decision that this was not going to be my life. Chances are you don't want to feel this way either, but you don't know where to start. That's where I come in. I created a guide for stepmoms who are craving change. It's an audit on your stepfamily life with 16 questions that I think that every single stepmom should ask themselves. If you answer the questions honestly and give this audit the time and attention it deserves, it will kickstart change that you're looking for. You can download it via www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash stepmom audit. When you do, I'll send you the links for some other free guides too. I've got the secret to improving your step family life and how to co-parent with a high conflict ex. Again, get your copy at www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash stepmom audit. So let's dive into step family life because... I love, you know, I've I've had conversations about like the love languages and understanding the different sides to step family life or, and basically like any conflict in your life. I do really believe that empathy and just trying to see where someone else is coming from. It's such a great tool and such a great perspective to have in not if you, you don't even need to agree with it. Like, it's not like Mm -hmm. I agree with their perspective. It's this is where they're coming from and this is what's motivating their behavior. So this is so aligned with that. So how would you recommend a, anyone who's in any type of conflict or even like step family life, Mm -hmm. use this tool to minimize stress and just kind of have a more harmonious home, if you will, because Mm -hmm. it it can get tense, right? Yeah. I'll tell you kind of the ways Enneagram has helped me in that. And I will say the first one is 
having the language to understand myself first, right? I think we, I'm really big on the circle of control. Like all I can control is me. I can't control other people. Um, some of us, we have, we all have control issues, right? Like we often give control to like certain numbers. We all have ways in which we're trying to control our environment. So based on your Enneagram type, you're going to have a different way. Like a type two is going to want to make sure everyone is looking out for everyone else's needs. You know, a seven, I want everybody to be happy. Um, and so if I feel like the people in my life aren't happy, then I tend to want to like force that on them. Um, so for our little, I used to be like, dude, cheer up. You need to cheer up. Look at how much you have. Look at how much good you have in your life. And I realized like, that's what I do to myself, right? Like that's the energy I give to me is like, you're not worth, you can't be sad. Like buck up kiddo. Like you need to get on with it. And when I'm able to be more nurturing toward myself and offer myself compassion and kindness, then I'm in a healthier place. And so I, I recognize that like, I don't want to perform the kind of, not abuse is a strong word, but like the harshness that I give to myself to my kids. So I'm able more to go to him and say, Hey, your feelings are valid. I love you. Do you need space or support right now? You know, so understanding how I'm limiting myself helped me to understand how I'm limiting everybody else in our life. But then the other piece of that is to recognize like what I, you know, what my husband's type is and how that's showing up, but then also to understand what bio mom's type is, because a lot of what was creating confusion in our dynamic was based off of what her Enneagram type is. Like she's a type five and fives are very, very private. They like to be very informed. And I am like all out there. Like my whole, like I'm just like balls to the wall. Like here I am, look at me. This is what I'm doing. Like it. Um, and so um, <laughs> like comment, share. <laughs> yeah. Like comment, subscribe. Thank you. Um, so when she had, you know, questions about like sharing our little on social media, it, made me mad. But then when I understand that she's a five, it's like, oh yeah, she's deeply private. Um, I have language to understand that things that feel like nonsense to me from my perspective, all of the sudden make sense when I understand her wounding. And so, you know, I used to get really irritated because it would take forever to like make a doctor's appointment or pick a dentist. But now I'm like, oh, she's a five. She needs to do all of this research and feel like she's really, but she's also action repressed, which the Enneagram teaches four, five, and nine are action repressed. They're slow to take action. Seven, three, and eight are action forward. We're quick to take action. And then we have one, twos, and sixes, which are compliant types. They just want to follow the rules, know what their role is, and make sure that they're fulfilling that role. So she's an action repressed type who also needs to do a lot of research. So of course it was taking us a long time to get things. I, I was parenting with two action repressed types as an action forward type. Oh God, so, I bet that was painful. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it's irritating, <laughs> right? Like that, and that's an annoyance that will never go away. And that's kind of where I'm able to be like, okay, I can't control them and make them more action oriented, but I can't control myself. And this might be a situation in which I either need to step back and be like, y'all just deal with this. And I'm going to close my eyes and pretend like it's not happening. Or if I feel like it feels really important, I can take action that I need to take to make it move forward faster. That is so helpful. Now, can you be a different number in different situations? 
Um, so we do have lines where we move in stress and rest. So um, I'll use my type as an example. As a seven, we move to type one when we're stressed out. So I can become more judgmental or critical or more um, perfectionistic when I'm stressed. And then I move to type five when I'm in a rest. So when I'm in a really healthy place, a really happy place, I feel safe. I become more research oriented. I'm more able to go into like one topic really specifically instead of spreading myself really thin. So you can resemble types depending on where you're at in terms of stress. And that can happen a day on a daily basis. It's not like a three months of stress kind of thing, or I lived as a one, but which can happen, but also it can be out throughout a day. Mm -hmm. So is it each number is typically goes to a different, like that's like, so what does an Mm -hmm. eight go to? Um, Eight, when you feel like safe and happy, you actually move to a type two. So you could be, you're pretty like helpful and warm and inviting and loving and servant hearted. Um, And then you move to type five when you're stressed out. So you become a little bit more like reclusive and closed off and boundaried when you're stressed. Oh my gosh. Get out of my head, Sarah. Isn't it crazy? so cool. Wow. Okay. So if someone is trying to understand the ex or trying to understand anyone in their life who's causing them conflict or whatever, Mm -hmm. basically it's just about going through the, just reading the descriptions Mm -hmm. and, and making that fit. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to just ask our bio mom, like, have you heard of the Enneagram? I'm a seven, so I'm pretty just going to ask. I'm ex- I get excited. Um, yeah. and so, um, I just asked, but some people might not feel comfortable with that, obviously, depending on your relationship. So you can kind of just even, and I think it's sometimes easier to focus on the negative, which isn't typically the advice I would give, but really think about like what irritates you about this person and then read the descriptions and kind of see which one seems aligned. You can kind of start to Sparse it out from there. That is so helpful. So if you are mm-hmm. struggling in your relationships right now, basically figure out your own Enneagram, figure out the people in your life, what they're, you can be like, here, bio mom, can you please just take this quiz? <laughs> like, I'm trying yeah. to figure you out. So I, can you please take this quiz? Oh my gosh. So funny. Yeah. But yeah. So figuring out, yeah, this is so helpful. Sorry. My mind is just mm-hmm. spinning right now. Now, which Enneagram has the most conflict in their life? Which number? Is it eight? Mm. Yeah, I would say eights probably. <laughs> eights can, um, aren't afraid of conflict. So they will just tell you, so they often have more conflict because a lot of times they don't see things as conflict. So I'm just being direct and you're taking that as a getting your feelings hurt or like me being mean to you, but I'm just telling you the truth. And that can, so it, it can feel like there's more conflict in the life of an eight to other people, but maybe not to the eights, if that makes sense. Um, Because eights typically just feel like they're being direct. Other things that can happen depending on your subtype. So some eights, the like are more intense. So like a one-to-one eight might seek conflict out because they want that intense connection that conflict provides. So not all eights do that though. Some eights do, some eights don't. Right. And that's interesting because I think my sisters are, I think we all have a bit of eight in us. And my, my husband will be like, you girls, cause we have, we, we've always just kind of spat at each other. Like, and like, we would like call each other out and have intense conversations. Mm-hmm. And then like, we're best friends though, but that's just, we're mm-hmm. just like 
kind of, he, and he's like, I've just never experienced anything like this before. <laughs> like, are you guys okay? I'm like, yeah, we're totally fine. He goes, well, you just said that to her and she said that to you. And I'm like, no, that's just how we, we do things. Like we mm-hmm. get it out, we deal with it. We move forward. Like there's like, I don't like the big, like, let's be mad forever. And mm-hmm. that's actually something that Darren has said that has really, it's changed him in our relationship because he goes, you know, now you and I, if we have an issue, we just say it. And then like, we could have a very intense conversation that would seem like a really big fight for a lot of people. And then mm-hmm. like 20 minutes later, I'm like, you want to go watch Dateline? He's like, yeah, sure. Right. And we just move forward. Yeah. And I love it because nothing is stewing inside of me. Right. I'm not just sitting there like stewing on conflict, but yeah, like that can come across as being a very high conflict to someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, and it feels trust trustworthy, right? I, as an eight, you're looking at who you can trust and who you can't trust. And when you know someone's going to be upfront with you, you trust them because there's no like hidden agenda. There's nothing brewing beneath the surface. They're not saying one thing to you and saying something else to someone else. Um, you're like, it's all out on the table. So I'm safe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so good. Now I want to kind of switch gears for a second. Cause in a recent podcast episode, you were talking about balance and how the search for balance can be a unicorn that causes shame and stress. What do you mean by that? And how does that relate to the Enneagram? Yeah, you know, when we oftentimes, you know, for most of our society, we were trained to produce as much as possible, right? It, you know, it comes from like the industrial revolution where like machines who are supposed to produce, we're supposed to get work out there. And so we're like deeply trained to produce. And then in the last decade or so, we start talking about like, but also you need self-care. You need to take care of yourself. You need to make sure that you are balancing that production with self-care. And so then we, now we're at this phase where it's like, I feel guilty if I'm overproducing and not taking care of myself, which is a new phenomenon. But I also feel guilty if I'm taking too much care of myself and I'm not producing. So it's like finding this, um, this position of, of balance. But then what we, we prioritize is the unicorn, right? Of like perfect symbiosis where I feel completely aligned. I know like I'm giving 50% of my time to production, you know, 25% of my time is focused on myself. The other 25% is given to my family or, you know, 50% is my family. 25% is me, you know, whatever it is, some perfect equation, 33.33% is given to everything. And it just doesn't exist, right? That perfect balance will never occur. And so as long as we're striving for that, we're neglecting the opportunity to find um, sustainable balance that actually works for us which is more like, okay, I'm having right now, I'm in a season of sprinting in my workplace life. So my husband's having to pick up some things at home so I can really make sure that I'm doing this thing that I want to do. And then maybe I need to recover. So after that, I have like a deep season of self-care. And then we have a deep season where my family's prioritizes. We're reaping the benefits of that sprint season. Um, You know, it's, it's more rhythmic than that. It's about like listening and nourishing ourselves. Mm-hmm. As opposed to trying to achieve that every day. Yeah. And like dicing apart our schedule until like, okay, well, if I, um, if I wake up in the morning at 6am and get in everything that I need to do before I go to work, well, then I can go to work and be really productive and then come home and be the perfect wife and mother and then go to sleep and do it all again the next day. Because what happens when we try to like sparse it out like that is that it's, we're missing the nourishment and we're 
it's an impossible goal, right? It's an ever moving task that is dependent on so many different factors in our lives and so many different things and different seasons. You're going to need to be, you know, more focused on work or more focused on family and, and every day things occur that, that throw that off balance. And if we're attached to this perfect balance, then our hands, you know, grip so tightly to it that we break when it falls apart Um, versus paying attention, listening, self-nourishing, allowing yourself to have what you need over time. That is so good. And I love when you, I love how you talk about the different seasons, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's a season for self-care. There's a season for the sprint. Like, I think that, I think even just hearing that is going to give people permission to go, like you were saying before, Mm -hmm. like balls to the walls and sometimes, and like, then Mm -hmm. like, you know, take that, you know, couple months where it's just, you don't have as crazy of a schedule because yeah, you're totally reaping the benefits of that hard work. I think that's the way like we need to change the conversation about self-care and look at it that mm-hmm. way, as opposed to, it's almost like this pressure to schedule it in self-care. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're failing at, you can fail at it now, which is mm-hmm. like the opposite of self-care feeling like, Oh, I can mess this thing up. That's only meant to be good for me is now a new way to, to experience shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I even think back to this weekend. I love working. Like I mm-hmm. love, I love what I do. I love I love everything, right? I could work Mm -hmm. all day long and not talk to anyone and be so, so happy. Mm -hmm. And I had said to myself, you know what? I'm going to take the weekend off work. I am Mm -hmm. not going to work this weekend. I'm going to take care of myself. And then on Saturday morning at six o'clock, I just naturally wake up and I go downstairs and I start redoing my website. (laughs) And Darren comes downstairs. He's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, why are you working? I said, well, I'm not working. I'm, I'm, I'm puttering, but I'm puttering on my website. And, you know, there's part of me that felt guilty for that, but I'm, it it was actually self-care for me, right? Like we we have to do what feels right to us too. Mm -hmm. And self-care is going to look so different to everyone, you know, and, and to you day to day. And I think that's where I think about like watching people, you know, you ever have friends who are just like annoyed by other people doing healthy things in their life. They're like, oh, that, oh, I'll drink a green juice or I like, go for a run or I need to unplug. And like, they complain about other people doing that. That's happening because we don't trust ourselves and what we want and need. So we see other people drinking green juice and we, we don't want to. And so we feel shame because we think they're doing something that we're supposed to be doing, but I don't want to do it. So I, instead of feeling shame, I'm going to make fun of it so that I push it off of myself instead of just trusting the fact that like that's for them and not for me. Mm-hmm. And giving yourself ex- like permission to just experience things in a different way. Yeah. And especially when we're in close quarters with the people in our life, we, you know, I, my husband can meditate for like 40 minutes without even paying attention. He doesn't even notice he's doing it. And I can choose to feel like you should do more with your time. You should take action on something or you should blah, blah, blah. But instead I can just go, wow, that's so cool that he enjoys meditating. That's not for me right now. Or like that 40 minutes isn't the amount of time I want to give to that. But if I don't trust myself and I don't respect my own needs, then that can become resentment or shame in me or resentment for him. Like Mm -hmm. I'll find a reason why what he's doing is wrong. You know, I'm thinking back to this weekend too. So I was cleaning up our basement. We're in the middle of a renovation and the basement was just a gong show and I was going through and doing everything. And that's what I needed to do that day Mm -hmm. to feel good. Mm -hmm. And Darren 
was watching, he got into this, um, I don't even know what the show is called on, on, on Amazon prime. And he was, he needed to just veg out and not even like talk mm-hmm. to anyone. He just needed the distraction. He just, that's what he needs. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Cause there was part of me that's like, dude, let's get the shit done. Like, like I would love to watch a show too, but actually when you think about it, I wouldn't love to watch a show, yeah. right? Cause if I would love yeah. to watch a show, I would be watching a show. Uh-huh. And then you can get to that place where you're almost resenting them for doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm really big in, in my community, Brave Collective. I talk a lot about everything you do is a choice and you, you can choose at any moment to stop doing something. And that includes like marriage, right? Like I choose every day to be in this marriage and I can unchoose it at any time. I don't want to, but I could. And that means that like, I'm dedicated to picking this. And so when it comes to like, right, like I'm the same way. I like to just do, I like to do tasks on the weekends. Mm -hmm. I can't really relax if there's chaos. And so I want to knock the chaos out so I can have peace. And forever I would be like huffing around the house, like doing all these chores and like looking at my family relaxing and just feeling like, are you guys not seeing how much I'm doing? around this house? Like, why are you not chipping in? And, (laughs) and instead it's like, okay, I'm, I have to like, if I pause and I say like, what can I control and what is my choice? What am I choosing right now? And the reality is like, I'm choosing to, you know, clean the whole house because I like a clean house and that feels nice. And that's my choice. Or I can, I can make a very direct request of support, you know, and, and my husband, we've worked a lot on like be specific and timely. So it's saying like, Hey, will you wash the dishes today versus you never wash the dishes or (laughs) versus like, do you see what I'm doing? Like not being emotive because typically most of us, if we ask directly and timely, like people will chip in, but we want them to just like be us a little bit, you know, and just kind of Mm -hmm. be annoyed by the things that we're annoyed by. But yeah, but we're just kind of recognizing like, yeah, this is what I'm choosing and I can unchoose at any time. That is so powerful because I'm the same way. And I was talking about this on an earlier podcast too, just because I think that the dishes need to be done now mm-hmm. or that this is what the kitchen needs to look like doesn't mean mm-hmm. that's what everyone else in my house needs or prioritizes or feels. Mm-hmm. And so I have to choose like, okay, am I okay with just doing it myself because that it's going to get done how I want it done. Or mm-hmm. do I sit around waiting for them to prioritize what I prioritize and then just being pissed off because mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think you can make direct requests and have consequences for a no at the same time. You know, it's like, this isn't necessarily something that's going to be important to you, but I can still ask like, Hey, can you do the dishes today? Um, because, you know, and in with, you know, with partnerships, as we navigate this, we can say, when you do the dishes, it means a lot to me because, and then kind of navigate it that way. But at the end of the day, also, we can just leave the dishes dirty and go watch a movie. And then Mm -hmm. if we wanted to, but maybe we don't want to. Yeah, no. And, and I love how you're saying like, ask Mm -hmm. instead of us waiting and waiting for them to have that desire, which they're never going to have because their personality doesn't prioritize that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. This was like the most powerful therapy session. (laughs) 
This is so good. I love what you're doing. So where can, where can people find you? You provide a whole lot of support. Like I would love to really, mm-hmm. I want everyone to come and do this. Everyone in the community, you need to figure out your Enneagram. Like that's yes. our, that is the call to action because I think, wow. Yeah. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just blown away right now. So where can everyone find you? Yeah. Um, so I have a podcast called Enneagram and Coffee. Um, it's on iTunes and Spotify and all the places. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Sarah Jane Case and on YouTube at Sarah Jane Case. And then I have a book called The Honest Enneagram. So if you're looking for your type or if you're wanting to know, like, wh- what do I do once I find my type? How do I work with it? It's a really good starter book for that. And yeah, I would love to hang out with any of you anywhere. That's so good. Where can we find the book? Is it Amazon? Is it where? Yeah, anywhere you can buy books online. So good. Or in okay, person. awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. ordering it as soon as we are done this conversation. Thank you so yeah. much, Sarah. You are a force. You are you're changing the world. This is well, this is important. Back at you. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast, give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.